So yes, we turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I was able to uh, get a little bit more of the British culture last night as the McCartneys invited me over for their neighborhood Guy Fawkes Night celebration. And uh, you guys are excited about that, clearly. Um, and uh, you know, I, you know, sitting there last night, sitting off fireworks and uh, sitting around the fire, I, you know, I, I kind of wondered, was, was he trying to just stay warm, perhaps? I, you know, because I was freezing last night. And, uh, but I think it was kind of that summer to winter transition that happened quickly. And so I'm adjusting. Hey, man, I grew up in Ohio. I can handle it. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. Last week, uh, we looked in uh, chapter 4 about Paul's life. And how he really inspired us and challenged us with these statements of great content. Uh, that he found the secret of being content in all situations. And so, yes, it's elusive, but we can learn it. And if we learn it, we will find great strength. And so hopefully this week, you found more of that contentment and strength in your life. Uh, Paul then goes on uh, to wrap up his letter here. Uh, referring to uh, one of the main reasons uh, that the church in Philippi had connected him at this point. Uh, he refers to this gift that they had given him, this financial contribution uh, that Epaphroditus had brought from Philippi to Paul while he was on house arrest. And so we read about here in Philippians chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 14. He says, It was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. Verse 16, For... Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment, he goes on to say, and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he concludes, Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me, send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And in verse 23, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So the uh, title tonight is Keep Giving. Keep giving. Just two points here from the text as we close out our time. The first is uh, this idea of giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. Uh, in verses 15 to 16, uh, Paul talks about how in, in, in the early days of their acquaintance with the gospel, uh, the church in Philippi, he says that they, they were exceptional. He says, not one church shared with me in this matter of giving and receiving except you only. For when I was in Thessalonica, and if you go back to the record in the book of Acts, after Paul plants the church in Philippi, he then is kicked out of the city there and goes down to Thessalonica. And so uh, after he's kicked out of uh, Philippi, he goes to Thessalonica, and, and so the Philippian church was supporting him financially, although he'd left the city. So they were still given to him financially, and that's what he, he refers to, those early days uh, where they supported him. Uh, and obviously he goes on to talk in the rest of the text that we read that they're continuing, right? About a decade later, they're continuing uh, to support him uh, financially uh, in his work. Uh, but he talks about how they were the only ones uh, who share with him in the matter, uh, in verse 15, of giving and receiving. And so Paul and the church in Philippi had this two-way transactional relationship. Uh, there was giving and there's receiving. And here, of course, specifically, he says, the Philippi church, they, they gave him money. They gave him financial support. Uh, and then uh, the Philippi church, well, what did they receive from Paul? 
Well, they, they received spiritual encouragement and nourishment and support. Uh, and they're still receiving it. They sent Epaphroditus 10 years later with the financial gift. What does Paul send back? A letter encouraging them, strengthening them, and, and, and spurring them on spiritually uh, in their lives. And so this giving and receiving you know, of money and spiritual support is what Paul alludes to. And it's still going on a decade later. Uh, Paul refers to this kind of giving and receiving uh, in, in several other places in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 11, as he's talking to the church in Corinth, he says, If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? And so again, we helped you spiritually, and then you helped me, he says, financially. Uh, again, in, in Romans, uh, to the church there in Rome, Romans 15, verses 26 to 27, he alludes to the churches in Greece. He says, For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. There was a drought uh, in this time, uh, and the church in Jerusalem was in great need. And so all the Gentile churches came together, and they gave this financial support uh, to the church in Jerusalem. And so Paul alludes to that period of time. He says, they were pleased to do it, and indeed they, they owe it to them, which is an interesting statement, right? For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings as well. That's Romans 15. Uh, 26 to 27. Uh, so this passage, you know, here in Philippians 4, uh, literally refers to what we call today contribution. What we call today perhaps tithing or our, our offerings, giving our money regularly uh, in the church. Uh, and and so, so, so as we, we give our money to God and to the work of the church, Paul says we also receive spiritual blessings. And that's what he alludes to in, in, in the book of Philippians. That's what he alludes to uh, in the two letters that we just read. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about our financial giving tonight, and we'll take our, our, our normal contribution here at the end that we take uh, once a month. Uh, you know, it's, it's always a challenging topic, uh, talking about money. You know, if I said, oh, we're going to talk about our purity tonight, or our marriages, or our spiritual relationships, we'd all be pretty comfortable. But as soon as we start talking about money, all of a sudden we all get a little bit more uncomfortable. As a preacher, I get uncomfortable preaching about money. I don't want to come off as one of those, you know, guys who's, who's trying to, you know, get rich off the gospel. So I, I don't prefer to preach about money, but the Bible talks a lot about money and our hearts. And so the fact that we're all a bit uncomfortable about it reminds us that we need to talk about it. And we need to be challenged on the topic. And so what can Philippians 4 teach us here? Well, the first thing is that when we, when we give our money, we actually receive things back from God. This idea of giving Giving of our money, we, we actually receive spiritual blessings in the end. And that's what Paul has alluded to here, uh, as we just read uh, in, in, in the book of Philippians, and also uh, in these two letters. Uh, and what's interesting is he reminds them of their early days, right, in verse 15. He says, in the early days of your acquaintance, he says, you, you, you gave passionately. And you gave, and he says, you were the only ones, actually, who gave to me financially, you know, at that time. And so, so that's quite interesting to me. You know, it is sometimes easier... To give our, our money to the church in the early days of our faith. A lot of us probably can remember the early days. Some of us, it's, 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 it's today for Sarah. You know, it, you know it's maybe a couple months for some of the new Christians in the room. Some of us, it's been maybe 20 years. But, but when you first come into the kingdom of God, you're, you're ready to give it all. Because you're just so thankful. You're so grateful. You just realize that you, you, you've been given it all if you've been given your salvation. And so, hey, if I need to give a little bit of my money to keep this salvation train going for myself and others, so be it. And you gladly and willingly give it. I remember as a new Christian, all that I was given already. You know, I was given 
encouragement from the Scriptures. I was given lots of time and patience and persistence as the brothers tried to help me in my stubborn, prideful heart to repent so I could get baptized. The hours, you know, the, the tears, the sweat they put in before I even found my salvation. And not even knowing if I would receive my salvation. But they gave it to me anyway, right? They gave me so much. And then even once I got baptized, I was a brand new Christian. And, uh, you know, I, I lived a ways away from the church that I was in. And I went home, you know, as a new university student, uh, having just found my faith in Christ. And I went back with all my old friends and my old life for the summer, about two hours from the church. And I started struggling spiritually, you know, tempted with my old life. And the brothers were like, hey, come back here. You can st sleep on our couch. We'll feed you till you find a job. And, and that's exactly what I did. Because spiritually I wasn't doing well. And so they, 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 they housed me. They fed me. They helped me find a job. Uh, and, then, and then I think the church felt so bad for me. They said, hey, we're having an internship. Why don't you join? And we can give you a little bit of financial support there too. They, they, were, they were all looking out for me. There was a lot of giving. I was a needy guy at that point for sure. And uh, so I was given a lot. And so I remember, I remember when, when the brothers sat down with me and taught me like how to give my contribution. You know, how this concept in the Old Testament, there's a tithe. And, and the book of Malachi refers to it. And we won't get into all the technical details tonight. But under the Old Covenant, you know, they were encouraged to give 10% of their wealth and their crops uh, to God as a, as a sacrificial way of giving. And it supported the temple and the priesthood. And, and so in front of the Old Covenant, you know, under the law you gave 10%, you know, how much more so should we try to give even beyond that under the New Covenant? And so they kind of gave me that idea of 10% as a baseline. And I still, I still try to teach that to people today. And I remember, you know, getting out my calculator, you know, and okay, well, you know, this is what I make a week, and this is, you know, and, and getting advice about it. And, and then I, I wrote that check, you know, every week I wrote that check faithfully and excitedly and hurriedly. You know, I was, I was ready to give because I had been given so much. So I thought, what's the, you know, what's, what's, what's the big deal with a little bit of giving back financially? I remember when I heard about missions contribution for the first time. Uh, you, know, the, you know, they were like, you know, give, give ten times your weekly contribution. And I was like, whoa, that's a, you know, that was a big number back then when I was barely, you know, making any money. But I remember giving that check and just not even hesitating, not even thinking about it. I didn't know where my rent money was going to come. I didn't know where my carpet was going to come after writing that check. But I wanted to give to God and, and, and I did it, you know. Gladly, willingly, I'd, I'd, been, I'd been received so much, it was so easy to give back uh, to the church. And, and, and it's interesting because Paul says that the church in Philippi was exceptional. We already read that, right? Uh, in, in verse 15, they were the only ones who support, supported him. But in verse 17, he says he wants them to give even more. And they've already brought a gift financially from Epaphroditus. Uh, so he's saying, you know, that, that, that was great that you did it back then, and that was great that you've just done it, but I want you to continue to give to the work of God. And so maybe they were challenged, you know, maybe they were challenged uh, by Paul asking them to continue uh, to give. Um, and, and I think that, honestly, as I get older in my faith, I actually should be even more willing to give than when I was a new Christian. Because when I was a new Christian, I kind of sort of got the very basic idea of grace. Enough to get, you know, baptized and get my sins forgiven. But did I really, did I really have any clue or concept really of the, the height and the, and the depth and the width of the love of God? No, I, I just started to taste it for the first time. And so I think it's kind of this, this iceberg principle. Icebergs, uh, statistically, about only about 10% of them appear above the surface of the water because of the density of the ice. And so if you see an iceberg in, in, in the Arctic and it's, it appears to be, you know, yay big above the surface. Well, it's way bigger than that below the surface. And that's an actual photo, uh, you know, of an iceberg in the Arctic. The, the part you can't see is way bigger than the part uh, that you can see. 
And I think as, as, as an older Christian, well, I should be even more fired up to give my money because I understand, you know, in a greater way now, you know, how good God has been to me, how much He has blessed me, how He's just poured blessing upon blessing in my life. How precious is that blood like Ricky referred to in the communion. So I shouldn't be more reluctant now, more apprehensive, more skeptical. I should be more willing to give, more willing to give as much as I can to advance God's kingdom financially. Yet I find oftentimes the patterns are quite the opposite. We get more skeptical, more cynical. We ask more questions. We have less trust. Now, amen, if there's mismanagement of the money, that's another thing. Uh, but I think we, we, we as a church go out of our way to make sure that the money is handled properly. And that there's no such things as, as, as the money being handled improperly. But, you know, the interesting thing is the Malachi, you know, God calls them to tithe. The priesthood is corrupt during the time of Malachi the prophet. And they're still called to give to the temple uh, and its work. So at the end of the day, it's really more about what I see. Do I really see what I've been given? Do I really see how much God has given to me? And therefore, I'll, I'll give back because I've received so much. You know, spiritually, as we get older, our, our, our joy, our anticipation to give should be ever increasing. Uh, verse 17, uh, you know, the phrase there Paul uses is financial. He says, I, I desire, not, not the money, he says, I desire that more be credited to your account. He uses a, an accounting term in some of the accounts in the room are getting excited right now. Um, I don't get excited about those things, but uh, some of you do with numbers. And, uh, and, and so... The phrase is interesting. Another translation of this phrase is, is, is the interest which is accruing to your credit. It would be another translation um, of verse 17. So spiritually, you know, as we get older, we should be accruing interest spiritually as we give financially uh, to the church. It's kind of like renting versus owning. You know, I've been renting now for you know, a while in Australia and now here in, in, in England. And... Uh, I, I, I will never pay more than what my rent is. There's no way I'm going to do that. I'm like, hey, okay, it's, it's this much. Well, let me give just a couple hundred extra pounds, you know, just because just I just really want to help, you know, the, the person who owns this building out to pay down, you know, their investment. I just want to help out. I've never done that. I've never thought about that. I'm never going to. But, but with, with my home that I owned in the U.S., I would try to pay more, more than the, than, than the, the mortgage payment so I could pay down... Because it, it's an investment. When I put in that money, I'm going to get something back in the end. And I think sometimes we approach our, our financial contribution like rent. Yeah, you know, I'll give what i got to give because I don't want to feel guilty or I don't want someone asking me. But, but we don't actually get No, it's, it's quite the opposite. You're putting money into a spiritual mutual fund that's only going to pay dividends in the end. You're, 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 you're putting money into a mansion that's going to sell for millions more. Then you, then you put in financially. But Satan tricks us with our money a lot of times. And he makes us think that you know, we're, we're missing out by giving that money to the church. But the Bible says the exact opposite over and over again. You know, We give our contribution willingly, sacrificially, joyfully when we know it is an investment for ourselves and God's kingdom. We were, we're not renters of heaven, but property owners and investors. And so the first challenge here is, are we giving contribution regularly? If you're a member of, of, of the Birmingham International Church of Christ, have you made a decision in your heart to give contribution regularly? Uh, and so hopefully you, you can think about that and be inspired to give on a regular basis if you have not been doing that. And this is obviously the heart, the motivation behind that because God has given us so much. We, 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 we should give back. Uh, 
Paul actually calls the church uh, in Corinth uh, to, to set aside a, a, a weekly uh, collection uh, to be given to the church in 1 Corinthians 16, 1-2. And so there's even a, a biblical pattern uh, of the Apostle Paul calling the churches uh, to set aside a regular contribution uh, for the work of the church. And, and so it's interesting, you know, I, I always think about it this way. If, if, everyone, if everyone gave as, as you do your contribution, you're a member of this church tonight, if everyone in our church gave the way you give, would we, would we be able to have a budget? Would we be able to financially plan? If we, don't, if we give in consistently, or, or we just kind of give our leftovers to God, we, we might not even be able to operate as a church. And so we, we need to individually think about that, because ultimately it's between us and God. No one's going to ask you how much you're giving, but God does know what we give. Jesus, you know, He watches the, the people give their money at the temple, into the, and He notes the amount. God does see what we give because it reveals ultimately what's in our heart uh, toward Him and what we really are investing our lives in. And second, are we giving biblically? You know, not as renters, but as investors, realizing that as we give, we are also receiving so much more. It's an interesting statistic, uh, roughly in the Birmingham church right now, about 80% of our monthly contribution comes from about 20 of our members. We are almost 130 members. Almost 130 members. Uh, we're about 128 right now. But statistically, about, about 80% of our, our, our budget financially that we operate on comes from about 20 of our members. And so that makes me think, I'm not sure we're all giving on a regular basis as much as we can in our offerings to God. And again, that's your decision, how often you give it, what you decide to give. But God does know our hearts. And, and, and ultimately, we're missing out in the end. Because Paul says, hey, you, you gave to me financially, but you received, you received so much more. And it reminds me of what Paul said to the, the elders. Uh, he's having a meeting with the elders in Ephesus uh, before he goes back to Jerusalem. And he says to them, And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, you must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so ultimately, that's, you know, that, that's why we give our contribution, because we know God has given us so much. And we know that if we give that money to God, whatever we decide to give, that, that somehow we're going to receive even more back. It's more blessed to give. And Paul quotes Jesus here, than to Receive. Do, do I really believe that? My contribution shows whether I really believe that or not. Like Paul in the church in Philippi, you know, let's all be giving and receiving, and we'll all be blessed in the end. Uh, and the second final thing here is fragrant offerings. He talks to us about giving and receiving, and he talks about fragrant offerings. In verse 18, he describes their, their gift that they gave through Epaphroditus as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, pleasing to God. Uh, smell is quite an interesting thing uh, anatomically with our noses and our brain receptors. And, but f- physically what's happening when you smell something is it's literally little tiny molecules of that particular thing. So that's that, they, they touch the, the physical molecules touch the receptors in your nose and that's how you smell things. That's really encouraging and really discouraging at the same time if you think about it. Um, so little bits and pieces of that are what you're smelling, right? And so... Um, Tiny. And, uh, but this, of course, is referring to the good smells, right? You know, Paul says, when you, when you give your money to God, it's, it's like a fragrant offering. It's, ah, you know, God is just, ah, you know. You know, some of my favorites, when I think of my wife's perfume, you know, it's like, ah, that's the, to me, that's what heaven's going to smell like. You know, it's just a lovely smell. It's a lovely smell. 
you know, recently, you know, the autumn leaves. I love the smell of the autumn. I just love, I love that smell. It makes me back to my childhood. When I was in the South Pacific, there's a flower called the frangipani, and it's just, oh, it's just the most beautiful smell, the most beautiful flower smell uh, I've ever experienced, you know. Um, uh, you probably have your favorite smells, right? What are some other favorite smells? Coffee. Coffee. Oh, yes, coffee. Especially in the morning. Baked bread. Chocolate. Oh, yes. Cut grass. I like cut grass. I don't know what it is. Baking. Oh, yeah. Anything baked. Pretty much, you know. What? Bacon. Oh, I said baking. Baking's better than baking. Yeah, baking's better than baking. I agree. Bacon. Oh, yes. Mints. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it just, and it's, even right now, some of you are getting excited about dinner, you know, it's just, ah, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's a sense, right? It has, it, it moves us, it, it, it makes us hungry, or makes us, you know, disgusted, or whatever. You know, and here Paul says, you know, their financial giving was, was, was like that favorite smell of ours to God. It, 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 was, it was lovely to God. And this is a, it's an Old Testament reference. Um, it, it first shows up in Genesis 8, after God, uh, you know, starts the world over through the, the great flood. Which, interestingly, the, ge- the geolo- geologic uh, records indicate happened. Um, it says, Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the, all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. And men have been barbecuing things ever since. You know, then the law develops later on in Exodus and Leviticus. There are several uh, calls to burnt offerings, and, and it says that they're, they're a pleasing aroma to God again. That same phrase shows up in, in Exodus and Leviticus. And then even in the New Testament, this pattern remains. Paul references it here in, in the book of Philippians. Uh, in Revelation 8, uh, there's a vision of heaven, and it says another angel in verse 3, who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He's in heaven, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the gold altar in front of the throne, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. And so it's this beautiful picture of our prayers. Our prayers are fragrant, another fragrant offering before our God. And so it's a great reminder here, our financial giving, you know, it helps our hearts to be free from the love of money, which the Bible says is the root of all evil. Our, our, our financial giving helps build up the church. And I, I think we're all excited and want to be more invested in building up the church here in Birmingham. We've got a lot of places to get to and a lot of things to, to make happen. We've got a lot of souls to save. And again, our financial contribution helps make that happen. But ultimately, ultimately, we give our finance, finances because it pleases God. That's ultimately the conviction that we should have. So a good question tonight is, how, how, how does your financial giving smell to God? Is that how God would react? It's something to consider. Is, 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 is our financial giving fresh and, and it's an appealing aroma? Or has it, it gotten a bit stale? Is it pleasant to God or, or is it off-putting? Like the picture indicates. You know, no matter where it may be, the good news is, by the grace of God, we can change that aroma quite quickly. Uh, we, can, we can Febreze our hearts, if you will, right? You know, that's what the Word of God does. It, it Febrezes our hearts when it comes to the, our, our hanging on of our money and those kinds of things. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It convicts us, right, and calls us to, to, to give as much as we can to the work of the church. 
You know, that's, that, you know, that, that's Febreze's uh, motto, you know, going from ooh, ooh to ah, you know, and that's, that's what I, I think the Word is calling us to tonight with our money, to go, to go from ooh to ah, to think, yeah, let me, let me give the, as much as I can, as best I can to the work of the church, and God, God will be refreshed by that, God will be pleased with that, and God will be glorified through that. So, you know, tonight, you know, maybe you need to get convicted. Maybe you, you just need to be inspired. Maybe you just need to be reminded. Maybe some of you are you're giving financially and sacrificially and regularly. But maybe some of us are not. You know, according to some of the stats I've read, I think we're, we're not quite there yet. But I want to inspire us through God's Word uh, to febreze our hearts spiritually and to get there. You know, maybe some of us can give a little more. Maybe we haven't looked at it in a while. We need to, we, it's gotten a bit stale. And we need to, you know, go to God and pray about that. Get some advice. Uh, you know, run some numbers and, and you know, recon, reconsider. We, we've got so much work to do. We've got so many places to get to in the, in the Birmingham, you know, greater metropolitan area. And if we're not all doing our best to give financially, it, it slows that down. It hinders that process. Uh, and again, uh, ultimately, you know, I, I want to please God with, with my giving. And I, and I know you want to please God with your giving. Uh, and, and so, so we've got to decide... You know, you know how we're doing with that, and, and maybe make some hard decisions to change that practice. Uh, you know, in our lives, to go uh, from ooh to ah, uh, God's word and the Holy Spirit will help us to do just that. Um, and that's exciting to think that we can we can please God just through a simple decision to write that check or to you know get that standing order going again, where you can give it regularly. You know that 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 that, that can please God, and that God can take that little that we give because sometimes the students and the the teens and the you know the young professionals think, well, I don't give much, you know, but but if you all just give a little, that adds up. And sometimes the marriage think, well, it's just twenty more pounds. But if every married couple said, let's give twenty more pounds, that adds up to a lot. You know, we give God our little, and He does a lot with it in the end. You know, we change our giving when we remember ultimately that it's for God. Uh, that's what uh, Paul wrote to the church in, in, in Colossae. You know, he said, whatever you do, work it out with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So, amen. This applies directly to our money because that's literally what the passage is talking about. But, but you can apply this to any area of giving amongst God's people. Uh, we had our family group leaders meeting on Saturday morning and uh, uh, Prisca shared something um, you know, about serving in kids' games. She was kind of struggling with it in her heart, but she decided to give her heart. And then she was just sharing about how much it's helped her grow spiritually, how she just really enjoyed her time, you know. And I thought, I thought that, that, that's a fragrant offering right there in kids' kingdom. She's just giving her heart, you know, you know, even getting her heart right. Maybe it wasn't right in the beginning, you know. And now she's got a smile on her face. She's, she's enjoying her time serving the kids. Uh, and that's the, kind of, that's the kind of heart God wants us to have. And that's the kind of heart that pleases God. Uh, there's so many ways for us, not just with our money, to give fragrant offerings to God. You know, may our church be a potpourri, you know, of fragrant offerings to God, right? Uh, and everything that we're called to do, maybe give as much as we can. And God, God will be pleased and He will be glorified and the church will be built in the end. And so let's keep giving. Uh, but we always got to remember you can't outgive God, right? That's how he closes out the text here in verse 19. He says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. You know, we keep giving, but God has and always will outgive us. You know, it's a great idea, picture to end our study, I think, uh, in the book of Philippians. You know, Philippians, uh, you know, it's, it's a little... Oh, sorry. Um, Philippians, it's, you know, it's a, 
it's, it's a little window into this New Testament picture of, of giving and receiving from God. This relationship that Paul uh, and the church, uh, you know, Philippi had. And, and you know, God gave, uh, you know, a church-hating Pharisee named Saul his grace and truth on the road to Damascus, right? And his salvation followed. The book of Acts records. Uh, and then, of course, that man eventually becomes the Apostle Paul, right? And after being given so much grace and so much from God, he goes out and decides to give that grace to, to, you know, to the outer regions of, of, of the Mediterranean. Eventually he gets over to Europe, and that's where he plants that first church in Philippi. Uh, and and that, that giving and receiving, you know, they receive their salvation. They start to support Paul financially. That continues to go on. Paul continues to plant churches around that area. Ten years later, we're reading this great letter that he wrote to them. They're giving, they're giving him to him still financially. They're still receiving the blessings and the benefits of that spiritual relationship. You know, it's a great reminder. It's a great reminder. But of course, this whole chain of giving started with God giving His one and only Son, right? To die on a cross for Paul's sins, for their sins. And ultimately, that, that, you know, that chain still goes on today. You know, we cannot outgive God. You know, as Philippi received this grace, they gave and gave too. And today, as we get and receive this grace more and more, you know, we too will keep giving. So let us keep giving. Uh, like Paul, like the Philippians, our money, our talents, our time, our energies to this great work. Uh, so much has been poured into this church already. So much, so much money, so much time, so much effort. Uh, but we know that there's more to come. We know God wants to do even greater things. And our giving, our giving will make such a difference. Uh, and ultimately it will help us to be pleasing to God. Let's be those fragrant offerings, pleasing to God in all that we give. Let's keep giving it all for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the Birmingham Church of Christ said, Amen. We're going to go ahead and stand for one more song. And while we sing this song, we'll pass our monthly uh, contribution plate.